Hey, welcome back in to ATLNG United Podcast. We got a busy week up ahead. We're just coming back from the All-Star break. I'm Blake the Marshman, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm ATL Joe. And this is a very formal intro because we have to get to it. We got a big episode. First word from Miles Robinson. I'm Miles Robinson. Hello to all my ATLians. Welcome back, my ATLians fam. Yes, very business-like this week. Second half of the season, we got to get on our game, win the rest of our games, and we can still capture some trophies this week, including U.S. Open Cup first on the list. But before we get to that, we had a lot going on this past week and a lot coming up this week. Did any of you watch the MLS All-Star Game? I, I, I tuned in and out. Did you, Blake? I did. I watched it. It was interesting. It was very rainy. In Orlando, it was very purple. All of our players got booed, especially Goose behind goal. Uh, heard, a, heard a lot of vulgar language hurled his way that you could hear through the TV broadcast. So uh, Yeah, I did, I did tune in. I did tune in right when Goose was playing, and he made two incredible saves. Uh, he kept a clean sheet himself. Way to go, Goose! So that was the highlight of the All-Star game. I'm really not a big fan of this this whole thing that they put on. Middle of the season, you put players in there, potential to get hurt. Doesn't mean anything. We're playing European teams where they're not even playing their best. It's just an exhibition in the middle of the season. I don't understand it. So I'm not a big fan of it, but way to go, Goose, and way to go the rest of our guys that did not get hurt. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what the All-Star Game's about. The All-Star Game is about money, like most things in the world, unfortunately. Uh, the MLS probably got a fat check from Atletico Madrid, and they got a bunch of viewers tuning in from all over the world because one of the top teams in Spain was playing. Granted, it was kind of fun to watch. Uh, it was fun to see LGP against Diego Costa. Diego Costa... Uh, famous striker for Atletico Madrid. Uh, he actually won a duel, went head-to-head with him. It got pretty intense. The game was pretty chippy, Joe. I mean, there was some hard tackles coming in. Uh, the MLS team fought hard in the first half and, and just fell apart in the second, losing 3 nothing. Got some appearances from all of our top players. Uh, Goose, like you mentioned, actually had a mic in his ear um, or like a speaker in his ear and a mic on during the game. So they were interviewing him from the broadcast booth, kind of like last year. So that was fun to see. Um, players played well, except Petey just he just could not shoot last night. He uh, he soared about three shots, probably thirty to forty rows deep. Uh, poor poor Petey, poor little bird. Yeah, that was interesting seeing him play with with some of the other stars around the league. I mean, that we came out with a heavy striker front. They basically played ten strikers and a goalie. And, and Petey was in the mix, and he every time he got the ball, it seems like he wanted to take a shot and just launched it over the crossbar, launched it way off target. And by the third time he did it, you had players on the team just like 
yelling something. I was like, why don't you just look up? We got you got the best players in the MLS over here. Just give us a pass or whatever. And and Petey's like, I no habla inglés. And and just walked off. Yeah, that pretty much sums up his season. I think he was just trying to impress a European team. Be like, I'm European level. I need to play in Europe. Look how great I am. Even though I can't make it in the MLS week in, week out. Uh, but anyways, most importantly, no one got hurt. Like you mentioned earlier. No one got hurt. And we move on. The All-Star game's over. Business time. Second half of the season. And we got two crucial games coming up in about a four-day span. And if you're talking MLS, two crucial games, you at you bring in the fact we have u.s open cup and the campionas cup i'd say that's four pretty crucial games we could win two trophies in the matter of one week uh between the u.s open cup and the campionas cup following week that's two trophies we can win just right at our fingertips well we Uh, can't win you're right we can win the semifinals i mean i'm assuming we'll win the final so i would take two trophies in a week we can definitely win one trophy in a week and with the Campiones Cup, and then a week following that would be the Open Cup final. So, the like, I don't know if you can tell how chance. excited I am. I know, I know. You get, get everyone gets excited around trophy time, and I completely get it. Uh, but I mean, we got a big week coming up. Like I said, uh, some other news just around the soccer world. Uh, Jill Ellis, the U.S. women's national team coach, is actually going to retire uh, in October after the women's tour. Just uh, keeping you guys updated on all all soccer news around the globe. And uh, I know that Joseph Martinez recently did an interview in all English. So Joseph's been working on his English. He was tired of listening uh, to you, Joe, and your terrible Spanish interpretations. I think Joseph's always been able to speak English since he's come to the team. Uh, He just, when he meets you, he chooses to speak English or Spanish, but he, he's always been open to talk and, and show off how lingual he is. Very lingual, very lingual. It was a cool interview, all English. Uh, talked a lot about our struggles early on in the season, and he did mention that he'd like to see uh, both him, Petey, and Barco in the same lineup because we've all been talking about that, how they're special talents. Um, let's do a quick standings update, and then we'll dive into this week ahead. Uh, we are in second in the East still in the MLS. Uh, we are just three points back from Philly, and we still got a game in hand. So if we win this one over the weekend, we would be tied for first. Uh, but it is a packed Eastern Conference standings. And the scary thing about it is, even though we are in second, we are only about uh, four points off from missing the playoffs entirely. So uh, there's only a four-point gap between second and eighth. And that is about as tight as it gets at the top. There's very little margin for error, even though we're near the top. We could fall all the way as far as 7th or 8th if we don't watch ourselves this week. So, big week ahead, starting with LA Galaxy at a full house bins on Saturday. Yeah, Blake, that, that's a little scary. I mean, I the one thing that we do not want to see is, is anybody leaving the game with a, with a severe injury. So, while I'm talking about that, tell me what's hurting. Injury report. All right, injuries. Everybody's favorite time. Uh, Breck Shea's out for the season if you've been living under a rock. Brandon Vasquez is hurt with a mysterious injury. Uh, kind of funny that it co-aligns with Barco returning the lineup, but we're not going to rehash old beef. Barco's back. He got some minutes in the All-Star game. He's gotten some minutes. Speaking of Barco, let's stay with the Bees. Bello is back in training. Could we see Bello make an appearance this weekend? Only time will tell. And speaking of returns, Tito and Kratz, Kratz Fever, they're both back in training on Thursday. So we got a lot of people coming back. Only other person we're going to be missing this game besides Shea and Vasquez is going to be LGP, but he's not hurt 
He accumulated too many yellow cards because he's always going in way too hard on fouls. Let's dive in, Joe. We had a lot to recap on this past week. Let's start with a tough loss out in L.A. Let's do it. Yes, Blake, let's recap this LAFC loss 4-3. to three. I know a lot of people went back and watched the replays and watched this game. It was a really good game, really exciting. I was so, so confused with the lineup when they came out with it. I had no prediction anywhere on my radar that Mo Adams was going to get a start. And so I was a little upset when he got the start. Then all of a sudden, two minutes in, he scores the opening goal. And I'm like, this Mo Adams guy is amazing, best player in the world. Let's keep him out there. But that one nothing, one nothing just didn't last too long, and LAFC just went on a tear. Like they just they just scored goal after goal. Yeah, and it was it was a lot of controversial goals. Uh, you know, LAFC has a really interesting stadium. Uh, it's beautiful. It's brand new, but apparently the cameras can't get direct angles on the sidelines. Uh, this has been an issue all season long. I did a little deep research into it. There's been a lot of controversial offside calls against LAFC. You could argue their first two goals were offside. And uh, the ref and VAR were not on our side. They won a penalty as well for their third goal, uh, where he was clearly fouled outside the box. Um, but yeah. Speaking of that penalty, he, that, that upsets me. That really upsets me. The penalty, he was clearly outside the box on what could or could not have been a foul. First off, LGP gets a toe tap against the ball, knocks it out from him, and then we get Escobar coming in to take to clear the ball away, makes some shin to shin contact, but it wasn't that hard. And Vela, who is a pro of all pros, knows when to go down. He went down at the right time, but clearly outside the box. I cannot believe that was called a penalty. Yeah, and and the ref never even went over to check the monitor himself. He just kind of put his uh, put his hand to his ear, checked his mic. In the end, they go up 4-1. We had a total defensive breakdown. Uh, within 12 minutes, we give up four goals. All right, but Blake, the, the goal that Joseph scored right at the end of that first half, right when I saw that goal, I thought, this is it. We are about to make an epic comeback. Atlanta United is is marching back. We're going to come down from 4-1 to one against the best team in the league. Going into halftime, we had all the confidence in the world from that goal. Down 4-2 to two at half. Like, were your emotions just starting to rise and ready for the rest of this game? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it's what we talked about last week. I don't know if you guys tuned in last week, but we talked about how this one was going to be a goal fest. Uh, Both teams with questionable defenses coming in, especially on current form. Uh, But you felt that momentum. You felt that fighting spirit that we had back in the days of Tata Martino, back when we used to come from behind and win games or at least get a draw. And you just kind of sensed it. Uh, they interviewed Bob Bradley right before halftime, and, and he was furious. He was like, we let him back in the game. Four to two, we go into halftime, we make some changes, and, and we come back out the second half. And, and what did you see there, Joe? Like, I, I really loved that second half change where we pulled Mo Adams out of the game, put Justin Miram. That's the formation I thought we were going to start the game with. And Justin Miram played very admirably, like he has all season long. And he was pushing the attack. And clearly in the second half, Atlanta was the more dominant team. You know, you take away that 10-minute section where LAFC just scored a bundle of goals and almost knocked us out of the game completely. Atlanta came back and dominated that second half. We did give up a couple of counter opportunities to LAFC, and they had some good chances. The game was back and forth. But Atlanta had the front foot on this, and it came down to Julian Gressel's missed 
opportunity where he was one-on-one with the goalie and he decides to pass it back to Joseph who was being triple covered what was he thinking there yeah and I mean Julian actually had two really good chances in the second half Uh, he had another one blocked after that late in the 80th minute Uh, it was it was a tough tough game in terms of how well we played attacking wise in the second half and then just not being able to convert that final goal to get us a point it would have been a great point on the road but at the end of the day, you know, we, we got to keep our heads held high. We fought hard in the second half and we have to use that momentum going into the second half of the season. I don't think we can dwell on it, but I did like our fighting spirit. I wish we could have at least gotten a point out of this one, Joe. It, yeah, I wish we could have too. And, and one more thing I want to talk about before we move on is Petey Martinez being pulled off before the 60th minute who was having a pretty good second half, making some really creative opportunities, and he was clearly frustrated when he was pulled off so early. There's still a little bit of that beef between Petey and Frank DeBoer, and DeBoer really is demanding a lot from Petey, and Petey's giving his all. It's going to be interesting to see how the second half plays out, and we go back to recently what you said about Joseph and his comments about how he, how he wants to play with Barco, and he wants to play with Petey and the three of them together. It'll be really interesting to see how how their teamwork pulls together. And I know LGP is kind of in that little brotherhood that they've they've got to see if if DeBoer is going to let them kind of play together or if if he's going to demand his play style and try to take over this team. Yeah, and you said it right. Petey came off and he didn't talk to anyone. You know, he he kicked a bottle. He sat by himself. He didn't even look at DeBoer when DeBoer pulled him off the field. Visibly frustrated. Uh, ESPN was commentating on it. So it was very frustrating, I think, from a fan point of view to see our star player come off, not talk to the manager, sit down and mope the rest of the second half. That was tough to see. And I would have liked to see PD stay in this game. I thought that, you know, a good sub for, for him instead of him would have been pulling Hindman, who did pretty much nothing in the second half, nothing against Hindman. He's played great for us once he started, but bringing on Barco for Hindman, I think would have been an X factor that could have gotten us that fourth goal. Very well said, Blake, but we are done with this first half of the season. The all-star break is over. Now it's time to really kick it into fifth gear and go for that MLS Cup. We need to get into the playoffs, Blake. I need a beer. Beer of the week! Every week. And uh, what do we got this week, Joe? I know we got one from close by at New Realm. Yeah, New Realm came out with this wonderful lager, and it's very good for our team here and how we're going to have to unite with each other. This is United Craft Lager. It's an American light. Let's spike it home. A-T-L. Oh, yeah. Very well. That was one of my best spikes. Uh, it's been a while since I, I spiked one, and I was opening bottles, popping bottles. Uh, you know, it may be a trivia question one year. How many episodes did ATL Joe not spike in a beer? The answer for you regular listeners, it's twice. Twice since we started, I did not spike in a beer. And I think we're like in our 70th, somewhere in the 70s episode-wise, so it's pretty consistent. But we will drop that trivia question later on. Uh, no, this is this is great. I mean, this is, uh, how do they describe it? Crushable. You could drink four or five of these in the tailgate before the game. Um, yeah, clean, crisp. It's got some lemon drop hops is what it says on here. Uh, but yeah, you guys get out there, drink some United Crafts Lagers in the Gulch on Saturday. We got a big one coming up. And uh, Joe, what we need to do right now, we need to talk more than ever 
about the tactical side of our team. Let, let's get into total All right, tactics inside the mind of Frank Dubor. We got four players that have come out recently, Joe. You mentioned them earlier. You mentioned all four of them. Joseph, Petey, Barco, LGP. They've come out. They've spoke to the media. And I wouldn't say they've been outright critical of Frank DeBoer. But they've definitely been questioning of his tactics. And a lot of this has come from South American media. A lot of this comes from the fact that they're speaking Spanish. It gets translated. But LGP comes out and says things have changed a lot. The way the club has played the game and we don't like it. He walked back on this pretty drastically on Wednesday in another article with AJC with Doug Roberson, but at the same time, they're talking to the press. There must be a lot they're not saying to the press. And I'm just wondering what this locker room environment is like with so many players being vocal about our play style under Frank DeBoer. I mean, what do you take from this, Joe? What I take from it is is I really want to be in the locker room and see or not only the locker room, but on the practice field and go out there and kind of watch the the ways that the players and Frank DeBoer kind of interact. And DeBoer strikes me as a as a, a coach that does not take any crap or anything and he plays it to you straight, but it's his way or the highway type of guy. And that'll rub some people the wrong way. I would tell you, it would rub me the wrong way if he's not going to listen to what I think if I was Joseph Martinez or LGP, one of the better players, one of the leaders on our team, if he's not going to listen to my opinion at all, that would start to rub me the wrong way. I mean, I, I have some of those professional beefs in my in my own professional work career. So I understand how these players are feeling, and it kind of shows on the field when we're out there and we're not dominating games like we were just last year, and our team is not that much different. It's a it's a little interesting, and, and it kind of is explaining a little bit behind why we cannot come back in games where we've been scored upon or why the only games we seem to be winning this year is when we take the lead. Yeah, and I think this goes back to management style. We're coming from a drastically different management style, and you mentioned personal career. I, I assume the majority of our listeners out there have some sort of personal career, and they're trying to navigate the world of operating under a boss, under a manager. And personally, you know, I don't think that Frank DeBoer has the best man management skills. I think he's a brilliant tactician. I think that he's been well-trained. I think that he has a pretty good track record. Obviously, he got fired twice within like a month at two different clubs. But then he won titles before that at Ajax, a system that he got brought up in. So I just don't like how he seems so separate from the players. They don't get hugs coming off the field. They're not uh, They're not encouraged by their coach. And you mentioned it. He's just kind of a my way or the highway guy. And coming into a team that just won the title, you kind of got to take what you got and let the players show some creativity, especially on the attacking front. So I am getting more and more concerned with his management style, not necessarily his soccer mind, but more of his style and how it's affecting the players, not necessarily his style of play on the pitch, but the style of the way that he's handling these players. Yeah, Blake. And and one more point on this that that's interesting to me is, you know, you named the four South American players and they, they're just the ones that are named in the newspaper. 
it's interesting that it's the South American players, and then Frank DeBoer is a guy who's the leader into bringing in uh, other players this season, like Dion Pereira and Emerson Hindman, and a bunch of European-style influence bringing into our team. And those are the types of players, uh, Mo Adams and Justin Miram too, but that that's American style that might be playing more of Frank's way. And these are the guys that Frank's handpicking, and you're kind of seeing it clash with the previous couple years where we had Tata Martino, who was really built our team around that South American style of play. And you can really see the South American style versus the European style coming in and clashing uh, with each other. It's two different styles of play. Neither one is right or wrong. I mean, you can win with either one of the styles, but the only way that you're going to win it all is if you have a team cohesiveness between players and coach and all of the alike. I, I completely agree with you, Joe. I uh, read a really interesting Forbes article about Atlanta United, and it pulled some data from footballwhispers.com. They got some great graphs, got some great data if you guys ever want to nerd out about teams and stats. A uh, really cool graph I saw was our team from March to December of last year compared to March till July of this year. It broke down like seven main categories, mostly being like possession, shots, conceding chances, giving up, defensive errors, long balls, fast attacking, crossing. So we are sky high on this chart in possession, but our shots have dropped by almost 50%, if not more since last season. So we're taking less shots. We are also crossing the ball more than ever and conceding more chances, about 25% more chances than last year. So we're giving up more chances, even though we have more of the ball. Uh, so that that's very, very surprising to me. You'd think if you have more of the ball, you'd give up less chances, but it's actually having the opposite effect on our team. I don't know if this is DeBoer's style or just the players failing to adopt to his style, but it's not clicking. The possession is supposed to equal more shots, not the other team taking more shots. And that's what we've seen this year. Uh, I, know, I know Britt's going to throw it up on social media. You guys check out the graph. Pretty interesting stuff, and it kind of shows where we're at as a team this year. Yeah, Blake, one more thing that I looked at here that was interesting to me, I didn't realize it until I see this graph, is last year we were doing much more long balls, and a lot of the long balls I remember were creating a lot more chances, especially when you had guys like Miggy, Joseph, or Tito with their speed running onto a ball and kicking it over the top. How much that creates chances. You don't do it every time, but how many chances it creates when you you see a player making a run. Remedy was really good at this too. Just chipping the ball over the defense and having them run onto the ball. It doesn't seem like we do that much this year because we're really concentrated on making those short, concise passes. Yeah, that's another great point. And and on the turf at Mercedes-Benz last year, everyone, that's what the team did, and that's what excited the fans was those breakaway goals. Miggy and Joseph running two-on-one against a defender. Uh, missed that, missed those days, and it seems like when we get a break, we slow the play down, and that is disappointing to see. It's costing us a lot of goals this year, and that shows in the standings, and that shows in our goals scored. So, uh, you know, Frank, we don't have a lot of positive things to say, man, other than you got to get these players behind you, and you got to get them all playing a style that mashes European with South American, which is what has been successful for us in the past. So it starts with locker room unity, and then it builds into the style of play. Um, I think he's got to fix the unity problem first, and I think the style of play will, will follow suit. Well said, Blake. We've got two games to preview this week, so let's just dive right on into it. Let's go with that preview. 
Yeah, Joe, we got a busy, busy week coming up right here. And it starts on Saturday. It starts tomorrow. LA Galaxy coming into our house. And you would normally be scared of this game, but they got a lot, a lot of players out injured. I'm hyped for this game. Going to be a 5 p.m. kickoff in the bins. It's going to be hype. We have a full stadium. I don't know if they've sold it out yet, but there's going to be a lot of people in the bins, a lot of people out on a Saturday. No work on Sunday for most people. It should be hype. And uh, yeah, I know I'm going to be there. Yeah, I am super excited for this game. Uh, it's going to be a 70,000 crowd, right, Blake? It, it, we, they opened up the full full stadium yeah, for this? Yeah, opened up the full stadium. It's going to be super hyped. LA's coming to town. I know a ton of people were hyped just for the fact that they could see Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the rest of the stars of LA. But hold your horses. Let's go into how many players are going to be out from LA Galaxy during this match, Blake. Let's start with their injuries. And one of their top players that's not named Zlatan, Roman Alessandrini has been out since late April, and he is not returning. He's He had to go undergo knee surgery, out for four months, probably the whole year. But it doesn't stop there. Some of their other top 11 players, Chris Pontius, Sebastian Leggett, Perry Kitchen, and Janino, all players under big contracts, out with injuries of their own. Yeah, and then we got players out due to cards. And this is the one you talked about that everyone is going to be disappointed if they just came out to see the Zlatan. He acquired too many yellow cards. He's going to be out for this game, just like LGP. Um, as well as Efrain Alvarez and Diego Polenta, both out with red cards. So they're missing seven or eight players. Their coaches admitted they're going to have to get creative with their lineup here. Again, this doesn't mean a guaranteed win by any means. This is still a really good team, but they did just get smashed by the Portland Timbers 4-0 in their last match. Yeah, but like remember when Atlanta United went to go play New York Red Bulls and they were missing all of their team and, and they had to hire a kid to come on a nine-day contract and Atlanta went in there and during the first 11 minutes, New York gets a red card and Atlanta still loses that game 1-0. Oh, I remember. I remember. You know, I'm- we I'm mi- sorry to bring up that bad memory. Yeah, we mentioned earlier we lost six ga- six straight road games. So I, I, when it's a road game, I just have started expecting the worst, unfortunately. And that was uh, that was one of the most devastating blows for sure. But anyways, back to the team we're playing. A very depleted team. We've got a really good chance to win. We've been playing great at home. And in MLS, you win your home games, you typically make the playoffs But right now, how tight the East is, this is one of the tightest it's ever been in MLS history. We got to win all our games to try to really push towards the top. In L.A., most of our listeners probably watched El Trafico, where the Galaxy won that incredible game on the shoulders of Zlatan, their MVP. Coming off that win, you would think they would start making a run, but you just mentioned it, that L.A. got smashed by Portland, four to nothing. And they're coming into this game with a little bit of their tail tucked between their legs and missing half their team. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that this is one that everyone is saying we should win. We should win. We got a full stadium. We're at home. It's on a Saturday. Atlanta's going to be rowdy. And they just, they're coming off a four nothing loss. Yes, we also are coming off a loss, but it was much harder fought a four three against uh, LAFC. So. Let's let's go on ahead. The road. Yeah, let's go ahead and get a score prediction for this game, Joe. We haven't done this in a while. What's your prediction here? What are you seeing from this game? Well, the last time we faced LA Galaxy, we won two nothing, and it was very beautiful. Zlatan didn't play that game. 
and everyone had a feel-good story. I feel like it's going to be a very similar style of game. Atlanta's been playing great at home. I'm thinking we're going to go one above that and, and win 3-0. Another clean sheet for Brad. Yeah, I mean, the way our defense has been playing, I wish I could go along with that theory. I'm expecting a 2-2 draw, and I'm going to I'm gonna hope for a 3-2 win. I expect this to be a lot of goals once again. I think it's going to be a very open match. But, man, it, them, them not having Zlatan is going to hurt in the end. Uh, I, I, I still expect a draw right now, just in our current form, but I would love to get a 3-2 win. Uh, one thing to note, Joe, we're doing a full stadium TIFO this game. All the fans are encouraged to participate. Everyone get in the stadium early. Make sure you're there way before the national anthem so you can get in your seat. You can find your piece uh, that you're going to be supporting the, the team with in that TIFO. It's going to be a fun one. I love these full stadium TIFOs. Yeah, so get there early. Let's go celebrate another win and, and climb in those standings. But, Blake, there's a more important game this week, and that is a semifinal. Let's go ahead and jump right into the preview against Orlando City in Atlanta's second home, and that is in Orlando. Couldn't have said it better myself, Joe. That's, uh, as Joseph says, the place where we father them. Orlando, and we're back in Orlando. They booed all our players during the All-Star game, but we're here and we got a shot to get back in to the CONCACAF Champions League. We can take it all the way to the US Open Cup final with a win here. Semi-final match, they got a few key players injured. I'm just gonna go through those really quick and then you can tell me what you think about this game. I know that Christian Higuita is out with a hamstring and then Shane O'Neill and Alex Dijon, both questionable with concussions. That's really it. Dom Dwyer's back. What are you thinking about this game coming up on Tuesday? I know a lot of people, it's not on their radar, but this is a huge one. Yeah, and we're facing Orlando City, who is is just trying to cling on to their playoff hopes like they do every year. They start kind of okay and then fall on flat on their face and out of the playoff picture. In the MLS, they're sitting in ninth, and they're worse than that, but they have made a nice little run in the U.S. Open Cup to get here this far. The way they got here, they had to play a Memphis team, which they decided to beat pretty easily, 3-1. to one. They went on to play New England, a team that they just lost to this past week, 4-1. to one. They got crushed. They played New England in their home stadium, and they won 2-1 to one in the U.S. Open Cup. And then it came down to New York City FC, who perhaps is the untalked about, except for on this podcast, best team in the league at the moment they pulled a 1-1 draw and brought them to penalties where in the sixth penalty kick they beat them five to four so that's the most dangerous part about this game in my opinion is if it stays tied and we go to penalties against this team this is a team that we need to get out on front early and just put them to sleep yeah orlando is going to be tough and it's going to be tough it's at home for orlando their fans do not like us because we have fathered them. Orlando can just not get past Atlanta United recently. And with as much on the line, I'd say this is actually the biggest match we've had against Orlando in our short history. I, I can't think of a game where we've had this much at stake. And so for our players and for our fans, I know it's Tuesday night. I know it's a weird game. Even if you haven't watched all the U.S. Open Cup, this is a huge, huge match. Huge. Huge. 
for our team. And we got to be ready. I think that it's a pretty quick turnaround from Saturday, but we still get Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night to rest. Orlando's not too far away. I expect our strongest lineup this game. And, uh, you know, they also play Dallas on Saturday. So they're going to have the exact same rest break. It should be even field. And, man, this is just a toss-up. I don't know which way this one's going to go. They definitely have a slight advantage with the home field. Yeah, and U.S. Open Cup is something that's great. Longtime listeners know how much I love U.S. Open Cup. And it's a type of tournament that's a throwback to the traditional, true United States soccer fans. I mean, it goes back to the USL days. It's a, a cup that brings in all the professional teams in the U.S. and gives kind of the underdogs a shot. And Orlando is an underdog. This is a team that has never made the playoffs since they started in MLS. They haven't even sniffed the playoffs. So this is the closest they've ever gotten to a trophy. They've never been to a semifinal, not even been close to winning the East, not even been close to a supporter shield. So you better bet that they're going to they're going to be rowdy and proud at this game. And I, I hope that Atlanta supporters make the trip. I know you will. That is my favorite part is watching the games, is seeing you guys that make the trip to the away games. I love all you that can afford to make the trip. No, scratch that. The people I love the most are the guys that cannot afford to make the trip but still get there rowdy and proud in their five stripes gear to support our team. And you know Orlando is going to be very, very hyped for this game. So I hope we get out there and show how much louder we are. Yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge match, like I said earlier. And I agree with you, man. I I can't afford to go to this game. I wish I could. Uh, I'm not even going to be in town and able to travel to Orlando. But I know that we have fans traveling. I know it's going to be intense. It's going to be a hostile atmosphere. Keep it classy. Don't stoop to their level. Don't throw trash on the field. And uh, I, no, think, I think we come out with a W. Let's make them throw trash on us again. Yeah. If we get out and make a quick lead and then the game gets chippy and we get up two or three goals on them, those fans are going to be very, very upset and start doing obscene things. Some of the worst fans in the MLS come from Orlando. So I, I would really want to see another Trash Lando repeat where we walk away with the win. And the best part about us winning is that the – final will be in mercedes-benz stadium and we could very well have a championship match in atlanta for back-to-back years let's go out and let's get this done blake let's go win the semifinal of the u.s open cup against our favorite team to hate on orlando trash lando crappy yeah down in disney world if you guys are traveling, just be careful. Their fans have been known to be violent in the past. Stay in packs. Stay safe. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one against the purple. I know a lot of people weren't happy about seeing Atlanta United players in purple. I think it was just a giant troll job by the MLS uh, to put you know Brad, Joseph, Petey, Barco wearing purple. I think we're just gonna we're gonna put that icing on the cake. Come out. In our, in our red, black, and gold, or we might wear that orange jersey, I don't know, and get the W here. I, I'm more confident in this game than I've been in a long, long time. I think we're going to get a win. I think it'll be 3 or 4 nothing. I really do. Blake, I just thought of something. Uh, you said orange, and I know what our next couple jerseys are going to be. Eventually, we are going to be the All-Stripes. They're going to bring out an All-Stripes jersey in 2023. You heard it here first. Have a great weekend. See you at the game. I'm ATL Joe. I'm Blake the Marshman. Thanks, guys. See you out there.
Catch me in the front row with a bad bitty body banging like a bongo. We got the cup, but we want more. Cut your tail of boca, we got Leandro. Everybody here, alright, hola. You know what it is, five strikes don't stop. You know what it is, we just cut up all the rest. Now we got a gold star hanging above the crest. They lost in translation, they not understanding me. Joseph Martinez, Atlanta is family. My city love me, Orlando was mad at me. I can't be clean when they stepped over and trashed me. Got so many, Frank the boy, MLS champs. Got a thick look, boy, we number one. What you take us for? Got a shout out, Arthur Blake, Santa Claus.